Property taxes are too high, says practically every homeowner in Illinois. But will anything be done about it this year? We'll talk to the chairman of the House Revenue and Finance Committee, Representative Michael Zaleski, on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. Depending on where you live in Illinois, you may be paying one of the highest property tax rates in the nation. And practically everyone in the State House, from Governor J.B. Pritzker down, says fixing the state's property tax system is among their top priorities. Last year, as part of a deal to push through Pritzker's proposed constitutional amendment to allow for a graduated income tax, Illinois lawmakers formed a property tax relief task force to come up with ideas. That task force was supposed to issue its final report by January 1st, but instead it only produced a draft report, which was basically a list of things that various subcommittees had talked about but it has not produced a final report that the 80-member task force could all agree on. And so far, no major property tax reform measures have come up in the General Assembly. Earlier this week, some House Republicans held a news conference to express their frustration about the process. I will tell you that when I'm in my district and talking to people, there's not a person within this, that district that does not believe taxes are too high within the state of Illinois. And as far as property owners are concerned, property taxes are way too high. That's their number one priority. Uh, as a Republican co-chair on the Property Tax uh, Relief Task Force, uh, I was optimistic that uh, we were going to make some headway, have some spirited debate, and move forward with uh, providing some changes that would provide relief to taxpayers of Illinois. Unfortunately, from the very beginning, uh, the committee was set up uh, really as a sham. So. Here we sit, March 3rd, 2020, two months after the task force deadline, and still we've seen no substantive action taken by the House Democrats. Those were Republican Representatives Dan Ugasti, Joe Sosnowski, and Deanne Mazaki, all from the suburban Chicago area. To get a response to those complaints, I sat down recently with the chairman of the House Revenue and Finance Committee, Representative Michael Zaleski of Riverside, and I started off asking him why there is no final report and whether or not we'll see any property tax legislation this year. I think that when it comes to property taxes, and I think the two parts of your question dovetail together nicely, we have a, of a hodgepodge of ideas of what everyone thinks is the magic bullet to solve the problem. And there's no real one solution that I think is going to offer comprehensive, one-size-fits-all relief. And as a result of that, you have things like a property tax task force where you have all these ideas that come together and no one can gain a majority to author a finalized report. So it doesn't surprise me that this problem exists. I think it's been a long saga in the General Assembly. When it comes to... Um, Bill's not being heard, you know, I, I would simply say that we're getting into a little bit of a habit um, with some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle of demanding bills get called that haven't necessarily been requested from rules. Um, so I can't, I can't look at bills that aren't out of rules and aren't even been requested out of rules. Uh, you're referring to the Rules Committee. Rules Committee, right. basically is in charge of assigning bills to substantive right. committees. Right, and, and I think it's important, you know, on property taxes specifically, we, we tend to hide around, we hide, hide behind process. You know, my bills are in calling committee. My bills, 
you know, are not getting a vote on the floor, we got to move beyond process. You know, I think there's enough bipartisan desire on this to get something done or get a few things done. And so, you know, let's move past process complaints and let's start talking about substance. So what kinds of bills are being worked on right now? So I, I would argue that there's probably three or four main ways to go about property tax relief. Um, the first is evidence-based funding, which we did a couple years ago, and the idea is to um, funding of education, and the idea is to flow as much money as you possibly can into schools in the state. As a result of the money coming from the state, school boards are less desirous of going to the voters or, or going to the max levy in their tax cap laws, and so you, you have a, the, the effect of stabilizing property taxes. The second is using existing tools at our disposal. So you're talking about the homestead exemption, the senior exemption, um, the owner-occupied exemption, expanding those tools. Those exemptions, while it's relief for some taxpayers, it does reduce overall revenues for local governments that rely on them. That, that's, I, would, I would sort of characterize that as a little different than the way I see it. What it mm -hmm. does is it um, changes the ways in which homeowners, their pro rata share of the mm -hmm. available revenue goes to government. So... Um, you know, the comp, the comp I always get told is it's squeezing the bubble to go on the business side if we're, if we're doing home Commercial sales. real estate, commercial the, industrial. Here, yeah, here's the thing, Peter. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think we can do things to help business community with property taxes. But my first and foremost concern is a family of four living in um, Brookfield who can't afford to have their property taxes go up every single year. And if we do something on homestead exemptions to alleviate that burden, mm -hmm. I'm going to make that deal every single day. So I'm a big fan of that tool. Uh, I think the third option is a little, probably a little more draconian than people would prefer, but going back to the, you know, the freeze idea that um, was bandied about a few years ago. I don't like that idea. I think it was proven to be not great, but it's talking about property tax for, um, reform. Those are the tools at our disposal. So. We're working through that. I know Sam's got some ideas at LRB. Sam Yingling, the chairman of the property tax subcommittee and the task force. Um, we're going to wait and see what happens. There were some things that I saw out of that Republican press conference that aren't bad. Use it or lose it isn't a bad idea. Um, School districts that build up very large cash balances. Exactly. Now, if they're sitting on reserves for capital reasons or they're sitting on reserves for a specific purpose, that's one thing. But if they're squirreling... Um, money and still going to the max levy every every year that strikes me and it probably strikes some of my Republican colleagues as as challenging. Okay, so famous legend about the bank robber Willie Sutton. When somebody asked him why does he rob banks, he said because that's where the money is. In property taxes, the money is in school districts. Mm -hmm. That's the bulk of it. You talked about evidence based funding and having the state pick up a larger share. Uh, is there any other sort of school finance reform we can do, including school district consolidation? Yeah, I, I don't have any aversion to looking to school districts and seeing if there's efficiencies within them to, to consolidate. Um, I don't know how appropriately the Association of School Boards will feel about that. You know, they tend to tell us that they're, each and every one of them does a really nice job in and of themselves. And people get very attached to their school districts. Of course districts. they do. I'm attached to mine. I, I, send my four, I send three of my four to public school. The little one is still in preschool, but she's going to go to public school. I love my school district. Now, I, do you live in an area that has both an elementary district and a high school I district? Do. I do. Uh, I live in uh, Riverside School District 96 elementary and Riverside School District 208 high school. So, And, and I will say 
anecdotally, I, people complain about the property taxes around my neck of the woods, and then they, uh, but the, but but I also think they really want good schools, and and so it, we people move to Riverside for the nature of the schools. So that's the conundrum we face right now. People really want good schools, and I have a problem funding good schools. But overall, their property tax burden is too high. It's as close to an intractable problem as we have, but I still think there's a way to alleviate it. To what extent are Democratic leaders, as well as the governor's office, relying on passage of the constitutional amendment on income taxes uh, to be a source for property tax relief? Uh, To the extent that it helps fund evidence-based funding formulas and school funding and uh, fully funds programs that alleviate the need to rely on low property taxes for local needs. There's probably a little bit of relief in property taxes. The evidence-based funding formula has a property tax relief program. I think we, with the, with the um, budget last year, we expanded the state property tax income tax credit. So um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a little bit of reliance in a direct way, but indirectly, um, fully funding education Fully funding evidence-based funding formula uh, brings us on a path to uh, say to school districts, we're doing everything we said we would do. It's up to you to impose some discipline. I'm a little skeptical that they would all comply with that request and not go to the extension every year, but one step at a time. Okay. One of the other things Republicans talk about constantly is pension reform. Sure. You also chair the pensions committee. Uh, is there anything more that the state can do? Uh, you went to the Tier 2 system several years ago, almost 10 years ago. They've consolidated local police and fire pensions. Is there any, anything more to be done with pensions? I think there's two things immediately in the future that we can do to reduce the reliance uh, or the outside share of the payments. One is to slowly but gradually... Um, try to incentivize this early buyout program that's worked out so well so far. Um, people want to manage their own money these days, so you know that that's probably coupled with um, the idea that they're concerned about their defined benefit, and it's probably coupled with the idea that we live in a gig economy where on your phone you can manage your assets. So well, they like to manage their assets until. The stock market drops sure, twelve hundred totally points in but, one but day. But the thing about an early buyout is you regret you you make that decision. And what we found is that younger retirees in their fifties, teachers that have left the profession but haven't reached retirement age, they're willing to gamble on themselves. And that program initially started slow. And to the to the credit of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, Representatives Batnick and Chapin Rose, who initially pushed for it, um, it it's sort of grown into something that we need to take a second look at. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is hard asset transfers, which the governor's talked mm-hmm. about. Um, I think if you start placing hard asset transfers into the systems and let them um, use those as investment tools. Yes, Liquidating state assets like buildings, buildings vehicles, buildings, whatever, mostly things, buildings, mostly and, buildings and, and, and then and putting the, the proceeds of that into the pension funds. Into the pension fund. The guinea pig um, is the Thompson Center. Um, so whatever we end up doing with the Thompson Center, um, either we sell it outright or we somehow use the proceeds to go into the pensions or we come up with some sort of um, management of the asset. That'll, I think, help the systems invest wisely, get a better return on investment. The better return on investment they get, 
the lower their reliance upon um, the general revenue fund for their annual contribution, and then you get yourself uh, a little bit of momentum. I, I think that the, the core problem with pensions is the outsized share it takes of our general, of our, for every $1 of taxpayer money, it takes about 18 or 19 cents. I think if we stabilize that problem and we continue to allow Tier 2 to, we fix Tier 2's um, legal problems, I think you really start to see an evening out and an alignment that makes people more comfortable with our financial situation. On a somewhat related topic, uh, we got new revenue estimates on Thursday. They weren't dramatically different from the old revenue estimates. Um, slight growth they're predicting in general fund revenue. Not going to get that April surprise like we got last year with billions of dollars mm -hmm. unexpected coming in. Uh, but still some modest to steady growth. Uh, has Illinois kind of turned a corner here, or is I, the budget situation stabilizing? I get in trouble when I make big pronouncements like that, so mm -hmm. I won't say that. Uh, I think historically Illinois has been the last one out of a recession and the last, or the last one into a recession and the last one out of a recession. I think I've read like mm -hmm. Governor Jim Thompson's speeches where he's made that case. It's um, going back to the '80s, so we probably sluggishly finally got out of the malaise of the last few years, and we're starting to see a little bit of a tighter job market, which is a good sign. We're starting to see incomes rise, which is a good sign. Um, but the forecasters said, here's what's on the horizon. Um, sluggish you know, growth because of uh, coronavirus, sluggish growth because you know, of natural cyclical things in the economy. So And trade wars. And trade wars. So you got to be careful. You can't assume that this will this will last forever. Um, I think the good thing is we have a fiscally stable budget situation. I think we have a governor who um, cheers uh, Illinois on as opposed to um, tells everyone how bad it is to do business here. So um, we'll, we'll, those will be some dynamic changing um, occurrences for around here, which will help. But um, yeah, we do have to be mindful of the of what's beyond the horizon. Michael Zaleski, thank you very much. That's it. Okay, thanks, guys. That was State Representative Michael Zaleski, Chairman of the House Revenue and Finance Committee. And that's it for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a State House reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next week, this is Peter Hancock saying thank you for listening.